0: Hey little buddies, it's Uncle Rick from the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. Two great audiobooks for kids every month for only $10. Plus, learning fun videos. Today, we are reading for our podcast a chapter from Patrick Henry, Firebrand of the Revolution. If you're a member of the club, go to the video section and you can see a video tour I did of Patrick Henry's actual home In Red Hill, Virginia. It was a really, really cool tour. Okay, the title of this chapter is Treason, Treason. Patrick Henry had been a member of the House of Burgesses exactly nine days when he rocked that dignified body to its foundations. The House of Burgesses was what's like your state government now, only this was before we were the United States when we were still British subjects. And so our colonial government here in Virginia was called the House of Burgesses. It happened on Wednesday, May 29, 1765, his 29th birthday. That date marked a turning point for the delegate from Louisa County and for the Crown Colony of Virginia. The political climate of Williamsburg was never the same again. The month-long session of the House was drawing to a close. Many members had already gone home to look after the spring crops. On that warm May day, only 39 of the 116 Burgesses gathered for the meeting. As Patrick strode along the diagonal path to the Capitol, he glanced up at the British flag on top of the clock tower. A faint breeze stirred the red and blue Union Jack. He wondered just how strong Virginia's loyalty was to that flag. Pat stopped a moment to admire the gnarled paper mulberry trees near the Capitol, He was never able to ignore the beauties of nature. A richly dressed gentleman in a bottle-green velvet coat stopped beside him. It was Edward Pendleton, I'm sorry, Edmund Pendleton, the acknowledged leader of the house. Pendleton was only 15 years older than Patrick, but his white wig and stately manner made him seem elderly. "'Beautiful morning, eh, Henry?' I've seldom heard a greater variety of bird calls. Oh, sir, you should let me take you to the wild woods of Louisa County. That's where the birds abound. Abruptly, Patrick changed the subject. Sir, will the stamp tax be brought up today for discussion? Its passage will be noted. Beyond that, there is little one can do. Little one can do? The British force us to pay a tax on every piece of paper used in the colonies, and there is little one can do? Well, I'm afraid the stamp tax is now the law of the land, Mr. Henry. Pendleton spoke the words crisply. He bowed formally and departed. It was clear he did not care to discuss the matter with this upstart from Louisa. Like most colonists, Edmund Pendleton felt helpless before the hated Stamp Act. Throughout America there was panic and despair, but little hope that the British government could be resisted. Patrick recalled Tom Jefferson's remarks about the imposing Edmund Pendleton. Taken all in all,' Jefferson said. "'Mr. Pendleton is the ablest man in debate I ever met. "'He is cool, smooth, and persuasive. "'His language is flowing, his ideas acute. "'Here was a leader to reckon with.' "'Patrick hurried through the groups of delegates, "'chatting and laughing in the east wing of the Capitol. "'The man he looked for was not hard to find. "'He was the tallest man in the room. "'Colonel Washington, at last I found you.' "'Pat looked about, then lowered his voice.' "'Will you help me attack the Stamp Act today?' "'Ah, Mr. Henry, you didn't know that I never speak in public. "'People accuse me of being active in the field "'but silent in the house. "'I'm afraid it is all too true.' "'Patrick regarded the tall, muscular man in astonishment. "'Washington was not handsome, but he was impressive. "'His large nose, high cheekbones, and alert blue-gray eyes "'gave him the look of an eagle.' "'Colonel Washington, the hero who had been cited in this very capital "'for his brave and steady behavior in the French and Indian War, "'was timid about making a speech. Incredible!' "'Some people,' Washington continued, "'say there is nothing wrong with the Stamp Act. "'They argue that the tax money will be spent to defend and protect the colonies. "'Even James Otis and Benjamin Franklin do not object to it.' "'They will,' said Henry, narrowing his blue eyes. But if they don't, I am neither Otis nor Franklin. I am Patrick Henry, Burgess from Louisa County, and I do object. If we need an army, we can pay for it ourselves. Colonel, America has never known anything like this before. The stamp tax will hit the rich and poor, old and young, great and small. Money from every American man, woman and child will drain into the rich British treasury. And moreover, no American had a chance to vote on this blasted act. HERE IS ruthless TAXATION WITHOUT CONSENT OF THOSE WHO ARE TAXED. BY HEAVEN, MR. HENRY, WASHINGTON'S VOICE TOOK ON THE RING OF STEEL, I AGREE WITH YOU. I HAVE NOT THE TALENT TO SPEAK ON THE SUBJECT, BUT I'M SURE MY NEIGHBOR AND ATTORNEY, GEORGE JOHNSTON, WILL DO SO. HE IS A MAN OF CHARACTER AND A CHAMPION OF LIBERTY. I'LL SPEAK TO HIM AT ONCE. THE TWO MEN GRASPED HANDS. THEY UNDERSTOOD ONE ANOTHER. John Robinson, the genial speaker of the house, seated himself in his panel-backed chair and called the meeting to order. The burgesses on the benches before him were an oddly assorted lot. Some were in velvet dress with ruffles and powdered hair; others wore rough cloth and buckskin. The tuckahoes, the landed gentry from Tidewater Virginia, took for granted their control of the legislature. True there were more upcountry members now, but they were inarticulate and lacked leadership. "'The Tuckahoes had never been seriously challenged. "'George Johnston of Fairfax County rose from his seat. "'Mr. Speaker, with your permission, sir, "'I move that the House go into the Committee of the Whole "'to consider the Stamp Act.' "'Patrick Henry jumped up. "'I second the motion.' "'There was a slight stir of excitement. "'Consider the Stamp Act? "'Could one discuss the pros and cons "'of a law already passed by the British Parliament?' A vote was taken and the motion carried. The clerk of the House placed the Speaker's silver mace under the table. Speaker Robinson left his seat, and Peyton Randolph, the Attorney General of Virginia, replaced him as presiding officer. Randolph, large and elegant, presided with heavy dignity. It was the Randolph Estate, Tuckahoe, that gave the conservative aristocrats their name. Patrick Henry longed to take the floor at once, but he knew it was proper to let the established leaders speak first. A new member must wait his turn. One by one, the elegantly dressed gentlemen rose to make tame, dignified comments on the Stamp Act. Lifelong obedience to the King of England kept them from radical thoughts. Virginia had, after all, been an English colony for over 150 years. As Patrick listened, he slumped in his seat. "'Let us send another memorial to the King and ask him to reconsider.' said Edmund Pendleton. May I remind you, said George with his dark gray eyes snapping, that Mr. Lee and I drew up resolutions of protest last November, which the king ignored. What attention would he pay to protests made at this late date? Even the Massachusetts patriot James Otis says publicly, it is our duty humbly and silently to accept the decisions of Parliament. Patrick Henry stared down at his sturdy boots. Virginia could not submit without a protest. It was unthinkable. Slowly and thoughtfully, he got to his feet. For a few moments, he said nothing. He glanced from one member to another. All eyes were fastened on him. Hesitant and awkward, he looked exactly what his drawling accent and plain dress proclaimed him to be, a member from the country, out of place with men of the world. Gentlemen, Henry began in a low voice. The stamp tax is going to invade every inch of American life. Picture with me the buckskin bridegroom. Patrick crooked his arm and with a dreamy expression took a few steps as though leading a bride down an aisle. Then he turned toward his bride and he pretended to pull a ring from his pocket. He bent forward as though he were about to slip the ring on her finger. His pantomime riveted the Burgess's attention. With this ring I thee... Pat stopped. A look of dismay spread across his face. "The stamp!" he cried in mock horror. "I forgot the stamp." Hastily he pretended to dig a stamp from his pocket, lick it and stick it on an invisible license. Then Pat's fine white teeth flashed in a broad smile, and he said lovingly, "With this stamp, I thee wed." Loud laughter rang through the house. Patrick Henry, actor, had captivated his audience. He bowed his head and let the merriment subside. When the room was utterly quiet, Patrick Henry Orator spoke. His manner was no longer hesitant, but self-possessed. Gentlemen, the Stamp Act has been forced upon us by a sick king. I understand in Williamsburg it is considered ill-mannered to refer to King George's fits of insanity in plain words, by a sick king and his weak minister, George Grenville. This act is, in my humble opinion, illegal, unconstitutional, and unjust. The Burgesses stirred nervously. What kind of blunt talk was this? Patrick Henry opened an old law book he held in his hand. Gentlemen, I have written some resolutions, which I respectfully submit to you. With a mounting sense of drama, he read aloud the sentences he had jotted on the flyleaf of his book. Not a sound broke the increasing tension in the room. Patrick had composed seven resolutions. They were simple, clear, and defiant. 1. Resolved that the first settlers in this county brought with them all privileges enjoyed by the people of Great Britain. 2. Resolved that these privileges have been confirmed by two royal charters. 3. Resolved that self-taxation is the cornerstone of British freedom. 4. Resolved that Virginia's right to self-government and self-taxation has been constantly recognized by the kings and the people of Great Britain. 5. Resolved, that the Virginia Assembly has the sole right and power to lay taxes on this colony. 6. Resolved, that Virginians are not bound to obey any law other than those passed by their own assembly. 7. Resolved, that any person who speaks to the contrary shall be considered an enemy of the colony. Patrick Henry snapped his law book shut. He glared around him defiantly and sat down. All that he had done was to attempt to take the leadership of the colony on the most momentous question of the day. The stillness that precedes a storm gripped the room. Then a clamor of excitement broke loose. In the words of Thomas Jefferson, who was watching with other students from the doorway, quote, There followed a most bloody debate, unquote. The proud leaders of the House, John Robinson, Peyton Randolph, Edmund Pendleton, George Wythe, and Richard Bland, rose one by one to denounce Patrick Henry and his incredible resolutions. In red-faced fury, they hurled acid words at him. How dare he place Virginia's lawmaking power above the British Parliament? Their phrases stung. The upcountry clown. The talkative young actor from Louisa. Our buckskin bumpkin orator. The conservatives delivered their bitter insults with exaggerated politeness. Their threats and abuse angered Patrick. Once again he took the floor. Now he was thoroughly aroused. His head was high. His deep-set eyes blazed. His rich voice sent chills through his listeners. As he spoke, Burgesses leaned forward. Their breath came faster, as if they were on a mountain peak. They were listening to one of the world's great orations. Caesar had his Brutus, Patrick thundered in conclusion. Charles the his Cromwell, and George the Third Treason! shouted Speaker Robinson. Treason! treason! yelled the followers of the King, jumping to their feet. Henry paused dramatically. For a moment the burgesses seemed frozen in place. Then, with great presence of mind, Patrick Henry finished the sentence and baffled his accusers. Stressing each word, he said slowly, and George the Third may profit by their example. If this be treason, make the most of it. Tom Jefferson almost cheered aloud. It was a splendid display, he wrote later. Patrick Henry's talents are such as I have never heard from any other man. He spoke, as Homer wrote, with torrents of eloquence. The time had come to vote on Henry's radical resolutions. It was clear the delegates from the western part of the colony would follow Henry against the eastern aristocrats. The high-blooded Colts, as Patrick and his followers were called, met the old field nags, the cool conservatives, head-on. The count was taken. Patrick Henry won his resolutions by one vote. Pat looked toward Tom Jefferson in the doorway and saw a broad smile of congratulation spread across his face. Peyton Randolph rose and strode angrily out of the room, muttering between clenched teeth, By heaven, I would have given 500 guineas for a single vote. The others who had voted against Henry stalked out indignantly. Richard Henry Lee, George Johnston, and the rest of the high-blooded Colts gathered around Patrick to congratulate him. The hubbub subsided when the dignified figure of Colonel Washington approached. Washington, broad-shouldered, neat-waisted, and straight as an Indian, walked toward Patrick. He held out his hand and said in a voice everyone in the room could hear, Mr. Henry, today you have put Virginia first in the colonies. And there you have it for today, little buddies, a great chapter from a great book. And with that, I must sign off. Look forward to reading to you again very soon. In the meantime, remember, put God first in your life. Be a patriotic American and honor thy father and thy mother. Parents, if your kids enjoyed their visit with Uncle Rick, know that they will love the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. The Uncle Rick Audiobook Club allows access to dozens more stories both from history and the Bible, to help your kids learn about godly character. Here's what one parent had to say about the book club. My children love the stories. They make history so interesting. My son says it is because of the details that most textbooks don't include. Uncle Rick is easy to listen to. We love his accents and explanations. Thank you so much for that testimony. If you'd like to learn more about the Uncle Rick book club, Please join us over at UncleRickAudios.com. That is UncleRickAudios.com. See you there.